Hey everybody, before we get started with episode 9 of the Chasing Grand Champ podcast, I just wanted to share the one answer that we got for Dazrin's question at the end of the last episode, how and when you knew you became a fan of Rocket League, and Ben, all the way from Australia, sent me an answer. He said, I wouldn't have to say it was just one thing, but something that stands out in my mind is the appreciation I have of the skill level the pros have and after having watched the game uh, during RLCS and played the game myself. Watching RLCS is a pure joy. Ben, thanks so much for the answer. I appreciate you listening. Let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Chasing Grand Champ podcast. As always, this is your host, Tom. And today I am very excited to welcome to the show my very first international guest. He has been a longtime Rocket League streamer, part of the community for a good amount of time, and uh, was just so kind enough to come join me. And I would also like to mention one of the best cooking streamers that I have ever seen on Twitch. Derek, thank you so much for taking some time to join me on the show. Hey, no worries. It's always exciting talking about Rocket League and the, the cooking streams. Thank you. I'm honored. Now, I was I was fortunate enough to catch the Hamburger Helper cooking stream. Has have you have you graced your stream with any other cooking streams recently? You know, every every so often I get a quick thought in my head and I say I should probably expand my palate. So I am now an expert at lasagna. Uh, that was the the latest edition, and uh, it turned out horribly well. Horribly well. We'll go with that. <laughs> now, was it just like a frozen lasagna? I actually did purchase a frozen lasagna in case I completely ruined it, but it was half and half. You know, got all their okay. ingredients somewhat fresh, but as far as like the noodles, those are just like the pre the pre oven ones or something of that sort. Yeah. I mean, noodles, if you went as far as like making the noodles yourself, I I don't even know what I could say to that. That would just be extremely <laughs> impressive. I wouldn't even know how to start that. <laughs> <laughs> Me either, to be honest. But we're not here to talk about cooking as much as I enjoy food. We are here to talk about Rocket League. And like I said, you've been, I, how long have you been streaming Rocket League? It'll actually be four years next month is when I started my very first Rocket League stream ever. November oh. 1st, 2015. Oh, so you were like super OG. <laughs> I got introduced to the game a few months late, so I didn't get to play like the pre-alpha. But uh, as soon as season one started is when I clicked start streaming. And, you know, the bronze and the silver ranked games started happening. Wow. So then how quickly, because you have been Grand Champ every season since then, right? Correct. Okay, so how, there was no Grand Champ season one, were you Grand Champ in season two? I was Grand Champ in season two, and in season one, I always hovered about 100 or 200 points off of the top 100, which they actually rewarded with those really fancy crowns. They had a top 100 reward in season one. They sure did. And ever since, I've been asking for it again. And no luck yet. Come on, Psionics. <laughs> that almost makes me a little salty just like knowing that I, I mean, I was nowhere close to even like I, I was probably bronze in season one. So thinking about what top 100 would get 
was out of the question, but now knowing that that exists, come on, man, let's get it together. Anyways, um, this is, this is something that I was thinking about and, uh, I'll, I'll lead with this. What, what would you say is your favorite thing about Rocket League? Honestly, the, the simplicity of it, the very low entry, but the very high skill ceiling, um, and, Playing other competitive games in the past, I've never seen a game where you can just mechanically outplay somebody in, in such a way that you can in Rocket League. And that's the appeal that, you know, kept me here uh, since then. Would you say that you're a pretty competitive person? Like, did you grow up playing sports or was it mostly games? Yes, absolutely. Uh, competitive. My competitive nature is why traditional sports were, you know, very, very common in my, my upbringing. But gaming kind of took over after a series of injuries and uh, I guess the competitive nature is just kind of drifted into video games now. Sure. What games did you play before Rocket League? I played a lot of League of Legends. I think that's where I would say my first competitive game started and then slowly played some Counter-Strike and then ended up at Rocket League. So did you have as many hours in League of Legends as you have in Rocket League or would you say you were putting in like the same amount? I would say I definitely have totaled way more in Rocket League nowadays, uh, mainly because I've just been able to do it so much more often. Uh, League of Legends, I definitely funneled, uh, I would say, at least 4,000 hours. Though. Wow. Yeah. Would you Would you say that if you hadn't found Rocket League, you would be a League of Legends streamer or would have attempted to do that? I did attempt doing League of Legends for uh, one month in between university semesters. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, I was pretty burnt out on the game. And that's why when Rocket League was brand new and I tried streaming that instead, it was almost like you get to start your stream from the ground, ground up and you also get to do it with a game you have almost zero hours in, which was also really refreshing. Yeah. So what do you think has kept you from burning out from Rocket League as you were, as you know, you just said you were burned out in League of Legends. What's kept you from that in Rocket League? <laughs> I mean, first of all, I think we could say burning out has definitely happened a handful of times. Sure. Um, which what has always brought me back is just a community that you can create on Twitch and the day-to-day conversations that you can have while playing. While, uh, if I didn't have that, I'm not too sure if I would have invested as much time. But with, you know, Twitch chat always being there and, you know, creating some good jokes and memories. Uh, Also meeting a lot of teammates playing competitive or just playing ranked. There's a lot of different, you know, memories that I've made. And like I said, it's the highest skill ceiling game I've ever played. And I don't think anyone has even come close to what we can potentially see in years to come. So as somebody, I I don't know many people that have put a lot of hours especially, you know, thousands of hours into something like League of Legends, how would you compare the skill ceiling or the skills that it takes in League of Legends as compared to Rocket League? And I'm just curious because I I mean, obviously League of Legends and MOBAs are skill-based games. I don't want to seem like I'm throwing shade on them, but as somebody that has a decent amount of experience in both, like how would you compare the two or how would you compare the skills that you built in Rocket League as opposed to League of Legends? So in League of Legends, I think the best way that I can explain it, again, I haven't touched the game in 
uh, quite a while, so I'm not too sure in terms of the uh, the mechanics required. But a lot of it almost seems predetermined. There's a lot of things you can think about in terms of strategy. So there's a lot of micro play and macro play, which could make you a much more efficient player in those games such as MOBAs. In Rocket League, it's almost just the raw mechanical ability that you can possess is just so much more threatening, uh, in, in my personal opinion. I don't think game sense... Of course, it, there's a little bit once you get to the higher levels, but it can be pretty cookie-cutter rotation, and game sense can come uh, pretty quickly, I, I would say, if you're you're focusing on it. So with that being said, I think just the, the mechanical ability that you can possess in Rocket League can just shoot you so much further than um, than in League of Legends. Interesting. So, okay, before we go on... <clears throat> so before we go on to something more like what you just said, I'm curious, and I will say that people herald are my previous episodes as extremely positive. So I don't want this to turn in a, a giant wine fest, but I'm curious. And the, the question just popped in my head. So I want to see where you go with it. Okay. I asked you what your favorite thing about Rocket League is. What's your least favorite thing about Rocket League? My least favorite thing about Rocket League. I'm not too sure if I can pinpoint one. But just off the since we're doing it real quick, I'm going to say the fact they stepped back and took away non-standard maps. I think that was something that kind of created a little bit of uniqueness to certain certain teams that could play well on those maps. And when they backpedaled and took them away from ranked and potentially away from the competitive scene, as you see in RLCS, I think that would have just added a little bit more depth to the pro scene. And uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of upset that they did that. Do you think that they would ever try to do that again? I would. Is that just like dead? I think since they tried to introduce it and then they took it back and they try to put it back in, I think it's going to cause more controversy than if they just left it. So I think if we ever do see uh, those maps kind of re-enter Rocket League, it might be Rocket League 2. I think that's the only way they can do that. What was your favorite non-standard map? Neo Tokyo, and I need to be very crystal clear. I think if they left those maps for just 3v3, it wouldn't be as bad as getting Wasteland on 1v1 because that was just miserable. That was the worst ever. But keeping them for 3v3, I think, was completely fine. But that's that's not my choice to make. Yeah. Did you play... Well, you didn't play Sarp at all then. I did not, know. Okay. So when Rocket League first came out, I didn't have a PC that could play it. I've been a Mac person. I hope I don't get any hate for saying that, but <laughs> I'm truly more of a Mac guy, but I did end up buying a PC and have a PC now purely just for Rocket League, but I didn't have a, PC or a PS4 either, but I did have a PS3. So when I found out what Rocket League was, I was thrilled when I found out that this prequel was on PlayStation 3. So I downloaded SARP. It was $3.00. And so I, I actually started learning, you know, the basics of the game on SARP and Utopia Coliseum on SARP was the donut level. Okay. Uh, that they put in the, oh my gosh, in Rocket Labs. And I loved that level and was so excited when it came into Rocket League. And I was so disappointed when they never did anything more with it. Mm -hmm. I, I really would have loved to see some of those levels 
you know, get a little bit more love. So I, I can certainly agree with you there. Yeah, those donut maps and the rocket, the rocket labs were an interesting playlist. It was fun to kind of kick back when you didn't want to be super competitive. Those were fun, casual maps to play. And Definitely. I actually, I actually did play those. I don't touch casual anymore, though. Not at all. Nope. <laughs> so speaking of casual, let's let's hop into it. So you've been GC since season two, since GC existed. Uh, what is where does your MMR kind of sit usually during the season? Um, around these seasons, I would just say. Pretty pretty similar to my my situation in season one. Actually, I was always around a eh, hundred points or in top one hundred, either or. So I guess I I could have done more research. I didn't know. Do you still live in the top one hundred during most seasons? I usually bounce in and out. Sometimes I'm hard, you know, per, struggling pretty hard to get those last fifty points to get into top one hundred. But uh, for the most part, I play around the top one hundred MMR. Okay. So then in terms of your game right now, what would you say is something that you need to work on the most? Or where do you see like shortcomings in your game? Uh, Up until like the last three months, I was just kind of playing just to play the game. But I definitely knew that ceiling shots became, you know, very frequent at high level play. And not only just for shooting, but to get defensive clears. And that's when I was like, okay, we got to buckle down and we got to learn ceiling shots. So ceiling shots was something that I've been practicing. Uh, flip resets are still a little fancy. Uh, my consistency with those are pretty poor, to, to, to use a good word here. Yeah, pretty poor with flip resets. But just playing off the wall, ceiling shots, and overall consistency. I think a lot of players try to do these fancy maneuvers. But even just hitting the ball where you want it to go sometimes is something that I fail and even grand champion players and top 100 players make mistakes with. And those are the touches that you shouldn't be making mistakes, right? So what do you, what do you see then like where you're at? Cause I mean, I'm sure this happens at every level. What do you see kind of from the people that you would consider are just a tier below you maybe? So like when you get in those games and you can tell it's just like an easier game, but these guys are still, you know, really good at the game because they're in GC themselves. Like, what do you what do you feel is the difference in between you and the people that are like right below you? Uh, just going back to the sailing shots, flip resets, things like that. They're good when you can perform them with speed. What I find a lot of players are like in ranked, maybe they're going for their montage shots, but it, a lot of the times, if you can just get a good touch off the sidewall for an infield pass, it's going to be more beneficial than trying to make the solo play. And honestly. I think it's an easier touch to begin with. So just looking for those infield passes is something that I think a lot of players don't do, and it would actually just help them rank up as well. Now, you do you solo queue mostly, or do you play with other people? 95% of the time, I would say I'm solo queuing. Uh, there, are, there are days where I just message some people just so I can get some quality matches, though. But 95% of the time, solo, yeah. And do you would you say that you try to work with your teammates as much as possible? Like, do you do you think that is necessary at your level to like work on passes or have those passes, or have you just found yourself being drawn more to that now? 
I mean, even since the very beginning, I always found myself being a more positional player. I also have kind of titled myself the the king of being carried. So I would say I work with my teammates very well. I usually get carried by them, regardless if it's in a team or just solo queue. So yeah, I, w- I would say that I always try to utilize my teammates as much as possible. It's interesting that you say that, and especially after you just said something about ceiling shots and flip resets. Because I, and that you said mechanics are so important. I think this is really interesting, actually, because of like how people look at the game or where they're at or what they've worked on, what they haven't worked on. Because I will say right now that my decision making in Rocket League is pure garbage, just <laughs> completely awful. I make so many bad decisions. Um, and I feel like my mechanics are pretty good. Like I can get to the ball pretty fast when I need to. I usually beat people for aerials. I don't miss a whole lot except when I'm making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like it's my decision making and my uh, my positioning that loses me games on a consistent basis. Um, but you were saying that your decision making uh, has really always been one of your stronger suits. So how how do you feel like you kind of got in tune with or learned kind of the intricacies of the game of Rocket League so that you are so comfortable with it? So just discussing how I, how I kind of ranked up by being a positional player over mechanics is what the, the question is? Yeah, I, I because again, like as somebody that is just like ball, 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 I guess almost like I just don't, um, I, I never formulated or like, I, I have to work really hard right now to, or think a lot about like when to go, where to be in those things. And as somebody that says they're a positional player, it seems like it, it came much more naturally to you. So I guess, how do you think about the game or even going back all the way to season two, Or like early on, you know, how did you kind of fall into that role? And how are you thinking about the game so that those things kind of fell into place easier for you? Okay, yeah, I actually have discussed this a couple times before. But even when I was playing traditional soccer, actually on the field with cleats, there are a couple things that coaches always said defensively, you know, keep them to the outside and for when you're playing twos or threes, there's something very important that I think players kind of misunderstand. If you're the first player challenging the ball, sometimes the objective isn't just to win the challenge, but to actually make the player make a flick so the second player back can challenge that ball that's now being just floated in the air. Um, I think that's something uh, all the way up until GC, both players like to double commit or the first player will always try to make the perfect touch when really you can just create pressure. Uh, The second thing is back post play. I think if there's anyone watching that watches the Rizzo videos, his road to GCs, he discusses sitting back post instead of inside of the net a lot of the times. And these are just simple things that, that came naturally to me because this is something that I learned when I was younger. So I just applied it to this game because it's soccer with cars and these are these are just positional spots that I've always put myself in, which I think most players don't. And it takes them a little while either A, from just playing and kind of realizing it themselves, or if they're, you know, a research 
player and they want to you know look at youtube videos there's a lot of content out there and i think at this point there's been so many great content creators if people really want to deep dive and learn as much as they can there's so much information out there and i think there's a lot of these quick tidbits from these youtube videos that can push a player from you know platinum to diamond pretty easily if they invest the time as well yeah i i think that i've noticed especially and it's been a long time since i've been in you know the silver platinum gold area but i feel like even when when i started to play a little bit smarter not i mean and i still have a long way to go when i tried to just play a little bit more conservative at that point where i waited to to let people make mistakes in those lower ranks that's when i started moving out of silver like i clearly remember like i'm just going to wait all the way back in goal and just wait for somebody to make a mistake and that's when i would move forward and that's Absolutely. when i started to rank up when i didn't you know drive around like a madman um <laughs> I think, you know, what you said about back post is really good. And actually, I like that you mentioned the Rizzo videos. Did you watch those? Uh, I watched the very first one. I uh, all Wait, I think he has two different series now. He has his normal one where he, he you know, plays an alt account all the way to GC. And then yep. he just released a new series where he takes a, ch- a champion three player or champion two. I, I can't remember. And he just keeps telling him rotate here it it is so much more beneficial and it's just really awesome to see that because you don't think that it's that big of a difference but it really is and you know that player that he's playing with can probably get to gc in the next couple weeks by just a quick few adjust adjustments did he release another one of those uh i'm not entirely sure but and of I course, do. this video this is coming out a week from when we talked about it, so it might be out by now. But I wasn't sure if there was another one out now. Mm-hmm. You have because I I saw the first one of those where he broke down the replays, and that was phenomenal. Yeah, and I actually really enjoy watching players who are actually in the RLCS or even the RLRS. It's just fun getting other very high level players. Um, mindsets or things that they can say that you know I wouldn't even consider and it's always it's always a blast watching Rizzo or any other high level player break down plays because it's it's stuff I can even learn from you know Mm -hmm. yeah I think uh, I've been I've been thinking about that back post thing a lot recently because you know I would always tell myself oh yeah I rotate back post I go there but then something that I do when I go there and then I'm watching the play is I'll start kind of trickling forward into the play and which puts me out of position. Like I'll get there, but then I'll still slowly hold down uh, the accelerator. So then all of a sudden I'm in, you know, what I would call like a no man's land where I'm just in a really useless position. And that happens more often than I would like to admit. Yeah, that's a perfect way to say it. That's what I call it too. Really? The, the no man's land. Get out of there. Just get, and, go get back there. <laughs> yeah, I I really end up there all the time. Like, for example, there's the line kind of like the first box in your net, the small goalie box, you could call it. I don't know. Yeah. Is there one in Rocket League or is there just the big one? Honestly, as much as I play, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't really yeah. have uh, visual indicators, but I know there's a lot of people who do. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so you could imagine like a smaller goalie box and 
box in front of the goal. I'm kind of like right in the middle of the goal, halfway into that goalie box, like completely worthless. I can't stop a shot. If people can go, I don't know. So that's what I'm talking about, bad decision-making. And I'm just working on that. Uh, but I will, I will actually post the Rizzo video. I mean, you can search for it on YouTube. It's not that hard. But I will also link it below in the notes for the show because uh, I honestly never thought this would come out of my mouth. But those videos that Rizzo puts up, his Road to GC and that new series that he's doing are some of my, my favorite Rocket League videos I've ever watched. Like, they're really, really good. Yeah, it's always nice to be able to watch good gameplay along with actual. Or, uh, it's it's nice to hear them discuss what they're thinking because, like I said, in its core, Rocket League can be a very simple game, and I think a lot of people overcomplicate it. So when people are just telling you, "Hey, slow down here, hit this ball like this," and there you go, it it could be it could be a two step fix, but without knowing it. You could just be sitting there for hundreds of hours making the same mistake, right? And honestly, like it, it really is. And of course, eventually, once you get up to mid diamond, diamond, and of course, champion up, like you're going to have to learn some new mechanics and be able to play a little bit faster, like be able to do some of those things faster than you would in platinum or diamond. But the simple core idea is there, like, don't go crazy, don't do crazy challenges and just like, again, you know, wait for your right opportunities. And I think this is one question as a positional player or somebody that, you know, is very team driven and kind of has that soccer background. One thing that I'm personally working on right now and what I, what I focus on in games is picking the right place to challenge the ball or challenge an opponent. Cause again, going back to what you said about the first person makes the move like how do you decipher kind of when you make a challenge or when you might just drive up a little and then turn around so that you can go into like a more of a shadow defense position or just go and turn around to like completely rotate back like can you decipher or break down some of those different scenarios yeah i can i can quickly try and do it without any visual sometimes it's difficult so we'll just make it a 2v2 scenario to make it simpler so if you're the first person challenging if you're the first player on your team challenging the opponent with the ball there's two things you should mainly be looking for a does he have control of the dribble and is it on top of his head can he get a flick immediately and if that's the case you can either a jump at him and give him a pre-jump so you can kind of anticipate the flick and if he doesn't decide to flick it, then you're still 50-50-ing a pretty solid ball. Um, and the second option is if he doesn't have control of the ball and he still has a dribble, he can push it to the side. It really depends where your second teammate is. Uh, the first example I just explained, obviously if you're challenging those flicks, it makes sense to do so if your teammate's behind or if he's on rotation. If you see your teammates floating in the air in front of you, mainly just try and slow the play down as much as possible. So going back into the second example, if the player doesn't have control of the ball or it looks like he's has a pretty bad dribble opportunity, I usually just like to challenge as fast as possible. Um, again, taking into consideration where your teammate is, but for this example, we'll just assume that he is he is behind you and he can back you up. Because if you make those challenges without them giving them any time, 
it can just really put yourself ahead whether you win the 50 and get boost control but the the main objective is just to put pressure so so that the ball is in in your favor so that, that your teammate can come up and help because what ends up happening if you're the first player and they either have a dribble opportunity or a flick opportunity and then you kind of shadow what you do is just make the second player on your team much more confused because you go for a fake challenge almost and then they're expecting you to challenge and then you don't and then that's when the double commits start happening quite frequently at least from my opinion yeah and it it gets a a heck of a lot easier for the opponent to make a flick or take a shot uh, the more time that they have the ball in their control. For the most part, yeah. I mean, if they can dribble, that is. <laughs> yeah, d- depending on the ranks, these are always these are always situational. But for the most part, if your teammate's behind you, it sounds ridiculous, but challenging the ball can make the play just a lot easier to read. And as we were saying, sometimes it's 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 as easy as just making the game more obvious for your teammate to help you because the double commits is what really really punishes lower ranked players. I think that's almost that's a that's a really good way to say it. Just making the game more obvious for your teammate, especially when you're not in comms or something like that. If you make that challenge when you know that they're gonna have your teammate is gonna have an opportunity to do something after the challenge, then. Like you're communicating very clearly just with your car and with the game. Otherwise, you know, they never know should they go, should they wait. And the closer that your opponent gets to the goal, the easier it's going to be for them to score. Yeah, exactly. And and this just goes back to the whole back post rotation. Like if you're rotating along the wall where the ball's also rolling, it can be really confusing for your teammate to understand what you're trying to do. Are you going to bring that across like, the back wall, are you going to turn on the ball and try and touch it? Because if you're not rotating back posts there, it can be very confusing. But if you make it a very obvious break to the back posts and you leave the ball rolling to the corner, then your teammate should probably have the indicator like, go. I got to get that ball. My teammate is rotating behind me now. Now I'm good to go. That You, you were speaking directly to me when you said... <laughs> There's so often I'm almost just like holding my opponent's hand while we're driving down the side of the field together. He has the ball and I'm like trying to catch up even though we're both supersonic. I just should get out of there. Yeah. Genius. (laughs) Yep. And I always like to try and say it might be a little bit of a slower play depending on how you rotate, but just exaggerate your rotation because as we were just explaining in the, uh, the challenging examples, If your teammate knows where you're going, so if you're making a wide loop to the back post, hopefully he's able to notice that and you can just keep the game a little bit more clear for for the the decision-making. Yeah, so that's that's really good. And I, I try to do that sometimes, just be a little bit more dramatic with my rotation so that people know what's going on and like, hey, I'm getting out of here. Yep. So that you can do what you want to do. And that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So let's jump over to another track because you were talking a little bit about RLRS and RLCS and watching those players. Um, Do you have any, like, do you watch a lot of other people play or do you watch like RLRS streamers or anything like that to, to like get insights 
on what might be the next thing for you to work on or what, like, I guess, where do you kind of get thoughts or ideas of like, what is next for you? Um, yeah, so a lot of the times my my day overlaps with a lot of the other RLCS streamers that are also on Twitch. Um, there's a couple times where I'm able to catch Dapper uh, late night. I'm usually able to catch late night streamers. So sometimes a Rizzo stream, mostly Dapper is like the highest ranked player that I would say I watch. And besides him just being like super fast everywhere on every challenge, uh, there's, a, there's a couple things that I actually notice that he does mechanically speaking when going for like ceiling shots or flip resets, which just makes you kind of notice that and then try to replicate it yourself in free play. Because at the end of the day, you can watch it a thousand times, and that's why Rocket League's beautiful. But if you can't practice it and you don't put the time in free play or just you know in ranked games, you're never going to be able to execute it either. So it, sometimes you can pick up what other people's what other people are doing and then kind of throw your own spin on it to make it consistent for yourself. I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up because one of the next things that I was curious about was practice and like what your habits might be or if you have a routine. I mean, you do this. It's interesting because you do it more as an entertainer than like a professional, uh, you know, RLCS or RLRS type thing. But do you have like a routine? Do you practice consistently? Like what does that look like for you or is it just purely repetition and you're thinking about different things while you play for me it's mainly just repetition and and free play i was playing competitive um i would probably say almost two years ago maybe a year and a half ago now and every time before tournaments there i'd usually do a handful of customized packs just uh you know timing the ball on good power clears rebounds and just general redirects those are something that i would do before going into tournament matches but if i'm just playing ranked and throwing the stream on i'm just driving around free play (laughs) having fun so do you do you i mean you were talking about flip resets and and ceiling shots do you practice anything else on a consistent basis or do you have any other mechanics or anything else that you're i guess you know beyond those two things well if you were like okay i'm gonna sit down and and take my game to the next degree like what do you what do you think that thing would be for you that would take you to the next level or that you would see as kind of a hole to fill for me individually right now yeah uh, i've answered this of a handful of times because you know other people are interested in I think as far as I'm concerned, maybe I should ask other players who are much better than I, but I think my just my general consistency, it sounds ridiculous, but just hitting that aerial down the field with more power on a on a more consistent level, you know, not botching a flick when I need to get it out defensively. Like these are just all tiny things that might not seem that, you know, horrible in in the in the actual play because you're not instantly getting scored on, but not getting those good touches might come back to haunt you 10 seconds later when you're boost starved. And I think that's where my demise is, uh, not letting me get into those, you know, professional levels, but I, that's the hardest thing about the game too, is, is just your consistency and you just got to keep playing to get better. Right. Yeah. I, I can definitely agree with that. I think because I've been, I've been working on that myself um, I've just kind of unlocked this, which is 
unfortunate in one way because it just makes me think about the game even more. But this Pandora's box of it as silly of a realization that it is like it's when you hit the ball in a different place, it does a different thing. So now I'm I'm in this place where I finally figured out that I can hit the ball on the bottom with my car and make it fly forward to set myself up for a double tap or an air dribble or something like that. And so I've been practicing that. I've been trying to do it in games and like sometimes I get it and it's not like I'm surprised, but I never know when it's going to go right. (laughs) And I feel like it's one of the hardest things that I've ever tried to do in the game of Rocket League. Like when I'm going for an aerial, trying to beat somebody and at the same time thinking, okay, I need to slow down or speed up to hit the ball in this perfect spot instead of just slam it. Like, the consistency and I guess, you know, go, taking it another level, the being able to control the ball from whenever you touch it or wherever you're, however you're trying to touch it is, is paramount to, you know, being maybe somebody like you that is a high level GC to really going to the next level. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that you're thinking about these things is good to hear because uh, there's plenty of times where you know you, your teammates are down the field, and I, I I swear people that I play with sometimes must be only looking at the ball because they just hit it wherever they want, and I'm like, okay, well I was on the right side, but that's fine. I'll just rotate back. <laughs> <laughs> and and do you feel like that still happens in Grand Champ? Like are people just still blasting yes. the ball all the time? <laughs> Yes, without a doubt. Yep. Huh. That's that's very interesting. Um, so you, you said that, and I might be remembering this incorrectly, but I thought I saw you tweet out, like when they announced season eight, that you were going to go through the plans or uh, try and qualify for the plans and, and things of that nature. Did that end up happening? Yeah, so we teamed up at the beginning of September. There was a couple hiccups along the road where we ended up having to play with our sub the last couple weeks. But yeah, we definitely gave it a gave it a shot, which when was that? Two days ago now? Yeah, this Saturday. Uh, we were unsuccessful, but it was a lot of fun. So I guess I'm not completely clear on how it works because that was the top 128, right? That was like the final play-in tournament. Yep, this Saturday there were seven new teams from North America that made it into RLRS and eight from Europe, I believe. Yeah, and then but you had to qualify for that tournament, right? Yeah. Okay, so what was that process? What does what did that look like? Did you have to win a qualifier, or how did that work? Yeah, so I'm not entirely sure how many participants were in the tournament. Probably like six or seven thousand, and you just get thrown into a random pool. You play, I think it's five or six series in the winners. And then if you lose that one, you have to win into the losers bracket. Very similar to how, you know, the teams actually made it to RLRS. It was just on a a simpler version because you're playing the top, you know, 2000 teams and not the top 100 teams. So got it. Okay. So what, how did the tournament go for you on Saturday? Uh, On Saturday, we, 
opened up our first series, we we felt pretty confident, and then we played our second series, and we're just completely outmatched uh, speed wise to the ball. And what team did you play in the second round? Uh, they went by Cheese, and it was Absorbent Karma deck and Toasty, and they actually must have been playing phenomenally because they ended up making it to the winners final, and they knocked out two other really big seeded teams. I think they knocked out um the sixth seed and i think they knocked out like the 15th seed or something of that nature so they were just playing very well oh wow so they weren't messing around yeah no they i don't i'm not sure what seed they were but let's just put it this way i think against us i would have said it should have been a much closer match but they they you know demolished us and then the next two series they had to play i did not expect them to win either and they did so hey they played really well Nice. Who did you play with? I was playing with Heroics and Mason. Mason's okay. an old teammate of mine from years ago, and Heroics is just a player, you know, similar to me. He's he's been playing the game for I I think he was playing it before me actually. Yeah, I recognize that name. I feel like he's he's been. I mean, he's played in tournaments for quite some time and been pretty yeah. successful. I feel like he's usually you know a guy that I see towards the end of tournaments that I paid attention to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's definitely a phenomenal player. He's very smart when he plays as well. And like I said, it was just a fun time. And you did a great job at being carried. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Why do you think I teamed (laughs) with him? (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about this other team, that that second round. Did you go into the losers then? Yep, we ended up going to the losers for, I think, like four rounds. And then we we got knocked out. Uh, I think, I'm not too sure, like where we were maybe it was like top 32 i'm not entirely sure oh all right i mean that's that's not bad yeah it was kind of a surprise um just based on the the amount of talent that that exists nowadays yeah uh, i was pretty happy with the results so what, who was the team that ended up taking you out completely uh i i could look it up but for for, for right now i'm i'm drawing a blank Okay, that's fine. Let's let's talk about this. Well, we can kind of talk about both of them, but I think it's interesting that you said uh, about that team that beat you in the in the winners bracket uh, that they were just faster to the ball, and I I know that's a big part of it. Obviously, being fast um, is a huge part of Rocket League. What like do you think it was just they? had a better understanding of the game that day, but of of course they were also kind of playing well throughout the whole tournament. But what makes a team like that a little bit faster or what do you think they were doing differently that made them faster than you guys? So something that I discuss a lot, uh, the difference between ranked and even somewhat competitive matches is the general consistency again you know sometimes you have an opportunity to get a good clear off the back wall which could give you much more time and there's other times where you get a bad touch and now you're you're scrambling so what teams will do to you when they realize this is they'll just put pressure on you to the point where no matter how fast you want to be to a certain ball you might not have the resources and the resource here is boost and i can tell you for a matter of fact i'm pretty sure the entire series we played them we may have been on our end for over 80% of the match. And I don't think I had over 30 boosts for over 50% of the match. It was just 
nothing but scramble and boost starving the entire time. So let me ask you this then. Mm-hmm. And because I'm, I'm curious about, like, I think it's fascinating that a professional team in one series can completely destroy a team. And then the next tournament, it's the complete opposite of that. So do you think that was just a matter of momentum or circumstance? Do you feel like you could beat this team if you had another opportunity? Or do you think you were just outmatched? Yeah, and that's another thing about Rocket League that I think it's getting very scary for the high-level teams is if one of your teammates is having an off day, it can really set up for disaster. And that's why you've seen, I guess, up until recently, um, but, but you know, the Dignitas onslaught when they won three in a row, it's always been back and forth, back and forth, tournament to tournament. It seems like any team can be any team. And I think as the game has evolved and more players have been able to put more time into the game, I think most players mechanically at that level nowadays are very similar. Whereas two years ago, there was big differences in, let's say, Justin Squishy and anybody else. Like, I think those were the pedestal of mechanics. And now I think most people have caught up to that. So you see, if somebody has an off day or the whole team has an off day, you can just see teams kind of take games off of each other. And that's what you saw at DreamHack recently with the peeps. You know, I don't think anybody gave them a chance, but they won the whole thing. I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, From your perspective, because obviously you see the game differently than I do because you're where you are and I'm where I'm at. Okay. What, What did you see in the peeps that got them there? Like, how are they playing the game differently or what was going on? that allowed them to just take control of that, you know, semifinal and final like they did? Well, I think their play style overall, I think there's two sort of styles that work. Uh, You have like the vitality style, which I would say is a little bit more scrappy. They are just very quick to the ball and they kind of improvise based on whatever happens to said ball. And then you have like a G2 play style, which is much more pass oriented and it's and if they're all playing on i think it's the most beautiful thing to watch and that's what you saw peeps doing is they were playing very pass they were looking for each other everything seemed pretty calculated but as i was saying if one player is not playing up to par or they're just having an off game that's when that play style can just go right out the window because if you know the pass is coming midfield and you're slow to it you're giving up a lot of space and you're probably giving up a potential open net but when you're playing on you can beat everyone to the ball. You just kind of execute perfectly and you just win a lot of times. <laughs> and it seemed like they were at the same time, you know, they were playing that like more cohesive game. I can't remember if it was Rizzo talking about it or Scrub or somebody like he said that they were just really thrown off by how they were playing. Like it was almost hyper aggressive. Like they were, they would go for challenges that the team was not used to seeing. They would go for touches that they were not used to like being challenged on. And that just like really threw them off. Um, Would you, do you see like right now in the pro scene or in your um, games, like a pretty, consistent rotation fall into place or like is it kind of back and forth 
are you just speaking from like a solo queue ranked standpoint or just just uh kind of watching the pro the pro scene yeah because obviously those are two extremely different things that's kind of silly for me to even consider but i would i would definitely go more with the pro scene actually let's talk about both i'm curious what like what you see in the pro scene and then kind of like what you see in your own games okay so i think the development in the pro scene right now is i i again this is just my opinion i think there's two styles that work and i think the vitality play style is a little bit more safe um, as long as your players are very talented as the vitality roster is but i think when it comes down to it which will put teams above other teams um is the the aggressive play style that the peeps have were performing at dreamhack the passing because not only does it open up more opportunities to score but it just keeps a lot more pressure on the defense. And if you're able to execute, you're going to be able to outplay your opponent instead of trying to wait for them to make a mistake, if that makes sense. Because yeah. I think that's what a, a lot of what Pro Rocket League has has become, is just kind of playing ping pong. Uh, everyone's playing pretty solid rotation back post kind of deal. And that, you know, again, you can look at this dream hack. How many overtimes did we see that went over five minutes? It was just an enormous amount. And I think that's because a lot of teams are playing that very safe play style. Whereas the peeps were like, no, 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 let, let, let me show you how we play. And then they were able to execute. They just went for it. Absolutely. So do you, do you feel like that is an evolution of the game? Like, um, is that, is that what we're going to see more of? I sure, I sure hope so, because I'll tell you one thing. I love the way G2 played at Worlds, and I love the way Peeps have won that dream hack. And if we can see more Rocket League like that, it's it's a pleasure to watch. And I definitely enjoy it much more than just like the, the permanent defense backboard clears back and forth play style that we've seen for quite some time now. I can't remember which episode. I think it was the one that I did with Corelli. He was talking about uh, being at land for either season three or season four and i carry i i think he said something like i fell asleep during the finals or the (laughs) semifinals because it was just like hitting the ball back and forth like nobody wanted to make a mistake so they're just hitting the ball back and forth waiting for somebody else to screw something up yep and that's kind of where i felt up until recently, of course, with uh, you know G two performing at Worlds and the and the Peeps win, is it just became it wasn't a team beating the other team per se. It was more or less which team is going to make the first big mistake. And as as much fun as that is playing in the moment, watching it, especially as you rank up a little bit more and understand the game, it it, it gets a little dull. So I'm I'm really excited to see the new aggressive play style and the the new blood to the scene uh with uh, birds and bees and peeps and just all the new players right it'll it'll be interesting to see how it evolves um i'm curious what your thoughts are on like the skill ceiling of the professional level like where where can professionals go to take their game to the next level is it going to be on more of an individual basis or do teams like do teams have to evolve as teams to be more cohesive? Like what what do you what do you think that is? I think over the course of the last year, the 
capabilities that every player ha- holds now is uh, at least two or three times uh, the player they were a year ago. So I think mechanically, everyone is at a very high level. I think it'll be very interesting if we start seeing Cuxier pinches off the ceiling. I'm, I'm expecting that to happen very soon. Uh, and once that happens, I think that's adios for me. I don't think I'll be able to replicate that ever. <laughs> um, but in terms of evolving just team play, um, as I was saying, I think everyone is so high on the mechanical skill ceiling. It, it really just comes down to how how frequently can they play up to their you know their their peak. And that's the, those are the teams you're going to see. And it's the magic word. It's the consistency. I feel like every time I discuss things like this, it's just Rocket League's about consistency once you get to that level, right? Yeah, that's... I'm, I'm so torn because I, one thing I kind of... Going with your ceiling pinch thing, I think that it would be interesting to see because so often even in pro games, you see somebody... Uh, take the ball up the back wall and kind of carry that over the goal to try and uh, avoid, you know, their opponents. I could very easily see that turning into some kind of set play where one player knows that they're carrying the ball across the goal and their teammate is coming from the other side and they they have this pinch down <laughs> so consistently that it's just like, it's like a set play. They do yep. it and just blast the ball across the field. There's no reason that that couldn't be happening in games on a consistent basis. Oh, and I'm right there with you. I think even watching the most recent professional matches is you'll see those players do the around the world is what I like to call it when you just kind of bring it off off your own backboard. And they're actually going for these pinches on the sidewall. And what that does is it kind of, Put, puts you in a good defensive position to get a really good clear with not much boost. And uh, I've been seeing it more and more from each and every player on defense. It's just, why why would we want to waste you know this very valuable boost when we can just put it to the side and pinch it? And people are getting so consistent with that. It's even more of a nightmare to try and score on these really good players, right? Yeah, it, I mean, it almost creates so much hesitation I mean if you see somebody just casually dribbling to the side of the wall they can air dribble it or they could just blast it into your goal like you just you just don't know what to expect that just that doesn't seem fair yeah you almost have them on the ropes and then they just get a random pinch clear that they didn't use any boost anyways and now you have to start from scratch again so do you do you have any friends or do you play with anybody that is a significantly like lower level than you? Uh yeah, I, I would definitely say that. Okay. Talk a little bit about like where they're at and kind of what you see in their game as opposed to yours. Like where what are some things that you could offer up for, you know, a lowly champ one like myself to kind of change the way that they play to move up. What do you what do you see in in other levels that are weaknesses? So, I actually play a lot of community games. Uh every single week I usually do community games where a lot of the the like my community in, in general is around that rank. A lot of them kind of hover champ, diamond, and there's always a handful of similar flaws. And 
the first one is just hitting a power clear off the ground. As many times as I, I say it, I feel like I'm making them feel dumb, but I'm not trying to. I'm just pointing out when you're given that much space, you just let the ball bounce off the ground and give it a good front flip, right? Um, the amount of times players try to get to the ball a little bit quicker because that's what a lot of you know YouTubers or even other streamers will say, just play faster, play faster. And, you know, as you rank up, you should be trying to do that, but also recognizing when you have time to get a more beneficial hit like that is also a very, very valuable asset. So I think the number one thing I would say is just recognizing more what's going on on the field than just where the ball is. So if you're given time, just getting a good booming clear can be really beneficial. Obviously, if you're able to look down the field and potentially see a teammate that's ready for a pass, even better. Um, and I think that's something that's overlooked a lot and it might be a tunnel vision thing, but with that being said, I, I think that's, that's a, a number one for, for just improving yourself as a player. Sure. Any, anything else? Uh, I mean, I can always go in and say that the backboard training packs are something that I think a lot of players struggle with all the way up until GC. And there's quite a few good ones. Uh, depending on where you're posting this, I can I can give you a great code that I recommend every single time someone asks this question. Yeah, for sure. I'd I'd be happy to have that one. I can I can put it in the show notes, Perfect. and uh, it'll be there forever. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I just uh, just the the quick recap is always try to improve your speed but recognize what's happening around the field, not just where the ball is and taking time when you're given it, looking down the field for potential passes and mechanically just getting those good clears off the sidewalls when you're given a chance to, and definitely backboard clears. Backboard clears, I'll always say, are your key to defense at that rank. How, take me through like what your, how you process, um, and of course, again, it's it can be a little bit difficult without the visual. But mm-hmm. take me through your thought process of like when you're playing in a game of like analyzing where people are when you move up or when you try to aggress or take possession or when you just go for one of those clears. Like how do you how do you process things like as you're playing the game to make sure that in your opinion you're being as effective as possible with your different opportunities i think first thing is understanding where you are on the field in relation to your teammates uh and the easiest way to track this is just are you first second or third uh to the ball and you know with with that in mind is where a lot of my decision making will happen if i see the first player challenging something I am assuming I will be reacting as second player. We'll assume I'm second player in this this example. If he's challenging, my my first instinct is to try and follow up this ball as fast as possible. If this ball is going to be 50-50 in such a way where I don't think I can get a beneficial touch or I can't get get to it quick enough, I'm going to try to give my third teammate the biggest, you know, exaggerated rotation and or movement I can to let him know you take this because I'm not going to be able to get a good touch. 
you're going to go for it, and I'll rotate behind you. And now I'm effectively playing as third man. He's now second, and first should be rotating to become third so I can become second. That sounded probably really confusing, but hopefully the imagery makes sense. Again, without the visual, it's <laughs> difficult, but that's just that's just kind of how I, how I uh, envision things happening. No, that, I mean, hopefully, I, I can imagine for some reason some like old 1980s football <laughs> cartoon with all these little circles and dots moving around. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully it makes a little bit of sense. I, I think I got you. Yeah. Um, as far as simplicity goes, there's actually a really good video that exactly looks, or it looks exactly what you just described. And uh, as far as an explanation on rotation, it's a beautiful video to watch. What video is that? I can try to find that link too. I, I might be difficult, but hopefully I can find it. It's good. It's good for the sim- like the 101 basics of how to rotate and not make your teammates too upset with you. Who did the video? It's not anyone with like a giant name, but it was somebody. I, I can find it. I, I think it's All-Star 7 or All-Star 11. He made this three years ago or something, maybe two. It was a long huh. time ago, but I remember always forwarding this video. Somebody asked that question because it's very difficult to explain as I just tried and probably sounded just crazy. But I would say just watch this video and it hopefully that makes more sense than what I just tried to do. <laughs> okay. Would you consider yourself a pretty reliable rotator or how often or when... What kind of scenario do you ever see, if at all, where you're maybe around midfield and like in a threes game, you turn at midfield as opposed to going all the way back? Does that happen or is that just like an unbreakable rule for you? Uh, This is something that I actually found myself having my first fault when I was trying to improve my play is I would always... I like to call it the cookie cutter rotation. Again, using the one, two, threes as an example. Um, nowadays, if I'm toggling ball cam and trying to be as aware as possible on the field, if I see whoever is behind me as I'm rotating, if he's really far away, like trying to pick up a corner boost, and I see myself having enough boost to challenge a midfield you know, floater, then I usually take it in my own hands and trust that I can get to that ball and hopefully my teammate understands I'm cutting. But for simplicity's sake, especially at lower rank, and if you aren't as like mechanically sound, um, I think the safest route is probably just to do those cookie-cutter rotations. But as you get to a certain level or a certain rank, um, I think to speed up your play, those are things that are required to push yourself to the limit. To search out or find those opportunities where you can cut the field. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So then when you do that, what kind of touches are you looking for? What are you hoping? And again, all my questions are never like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. Just, just in general, kind of what, what would I do if I'm cutting the field? Um, Depending on, a certain cut you can maybe try and get a shot on net this is usually not the case because you probably won't be getting too powerful of a touch most often if i see my person if i see the teammate i'm cutting has full boost say i i recognized he got the back corner if i'm able to cut the ball and beat my opponent to the ball and just kind of pop it up yeah hopefully the person who just acquired the corner boost is 
you know, snapped onto that ball, either trying to shoot it immediately or set himself up for a double touch in my case. Uh, but at like a lower rank, just beating the main objective is just beating whoever is approaching that ball. If you're cutting it, if you beat him, you're taking that player out of the equation and hopefully giving your other two teammates an opportunity to punish that. Yeah, so it's not necessarily you're trying to take possession of the ball and do something with it, but just take an opponent out of the game and then set something up for a teammate. Correct. Which, even for myself, in that kind of situation... And I will say that one thing that I'm focused on a lot in my own practice and trying to get better is keep better possession of the ball. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of singular in my mind just because I'm always thinking, okay, any touch I take, I want to do the best that I can to hold on to the ball longer so I'm not just blasting it down the field. But in that circumstance, setting up a teammate for a more powerful shot is certainly more beneficial than you know, trying to get a dinky touch so that you can get another one and not really progress anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and that's good that, uh, like that, that mindset, that's something in, uh, in one V ones that a player at, at a higher level will consistently do is their, their touch isn't just down the field. It's usually a touch that they can get to it again and, and maintain the position. And if you can keep that mindset in threes, but start, you know, you, you utilizing your teammates to keep up the pressure and, and have the possession. That's when you, that's when you're, a very good teammate, and I, I appreciate that. Do you play ones as well? Um, I don't play ones too often. Uh, I usually hit GC just to say I can still do it, but ones tests my limits. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Test your limits in terms of... Mental frustration. Temper- <laughs> temperament? Okay. Uh, yeah, a mixture of both, yeah. Because there's there's, you... there's nothing worse than making a mistake, and and one v ones really teaches you that you're at fault, always. <laughs> yeah, which uh, can be hard to take sometimes. Yeah, it's a good it's a good eye opener for for some players for sure. Obviously, you don't struggle with this too much because you are a grand champ, and at the same time, like at your level, would you say that you? struggle do you struggle scoring the ball like i'm just trying to put two and two together or just a couple thoughts together like you and and maybe it's just a joke but you say like you are phenomenal at getting carried and that ones is a little frustrating like do you do you feel like you struggle to create your own plays or like that's a weakness or you just don't enjoy the one's dynamic of being on your own uh i think one's is just it can be a very simplistic game mode if you're just going for um you know crisp flicks and just people like to call it sweaty ones if you're really trying to win a ones game there's a a play style that can kind of be a little mind numbing i think twos and threes has more opportunity for flashy and fun plays so that's usually why i like playing those playlists more but in terms of weaknesses and strengths i think i've always excelled more on defense and hitting teammates for good shots than actually hitting open nets myself um Yeah. yeah i would say hitting Hitting shots I'm supposed to, especially open nets, is definitely something I have always struggled with. And I don't <laughs> I wish I could tell you why. I wish. But it's maybe it's a mental block. 
I think there are some people that just see wide open nets. I mean, and, and this is like in any sport, right? Like even in soccer, I don't know if you've played any other sports, but you could relate it to almost anything. Like even I'm, I'm by no means a phenomenal golfer, but it's, you know, those six inch putts or those wide open <laughs> nets that are always the hardest because you're like, oh, this is something I should make. Yeah, you have everything and then to all lose. You're, all, you're, all you're thinking about is messing it up. <laughs> You're not thinking, bit. you're not thinking about, oh, everybody's going to be happy when I make this and I'm going to score this goal and it's going to be great. Like whether you're taking the lead or tying the game or whatever, all you're thinking about is, oh man, I can't screw this up. <laughs> Everyone's watching. I need, it's, it's now, it's one of those shots where you're not supposed to miss it. Sometimes you right. make a shot and it's like, oh, nice try. That was a hard shot. But if you miss something really obvious, you're like, oh no, just face palming. <laughs> And it's it it's not any better if you're playing with your friends or if you're playing with randos, because if you're playing with your friends, they're not going to let you hear the end of it. <laughs> and except sometimes my friends will just be like, oh, unlucky. And I'm like, that is not unlucky. I just <laughs> suck. Like, yeah, unlucky is tr- a, a very popular term in the yeah. Rocket League community. It's it's the nice way of saying what the heck are you thinking? Yeah, how 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 did daddy how do you how do you miss that? Yeah. And then of course when you're playing with some random teammates it's just the classic okay. <laughs> Phew. I I love that. Miss an open okay. Yeah. Come on man. You're diamond 3 2. Get over it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you see plenty of okays. Oh, oh, absolutely. I get D-padded quite often. <laughs> I get D-padded. Yeah. That would be a good t-shirt. The D-pad warriors. So I actually, here, here's a fun question. I had the best teammate name that I had ever, that I've ever seen the other day. It was chat is off slash you go for kickoffs. Mm-hmm. That was his team name. Or that was that was his name. What what are some of the the good names that you've seen out there? Because I'm sure, like especially in the higher ranks where people are, you know, even more try hard, they're just like grinding it out. Like, do you see a lot of chat is off or chat off blah blah kind of things? I feel like in my experience playing the game um, on my main account, I usually just kind of see repeat names. But if I'm ever playing an alt account that's hovering around champ two, champ three. That is a very common name. Chat is off. You go for kickoff, or new to PS4 controller. That's the, I hate saying that one. I don't like saying that name. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I know like everything they want to do, they're still getting. It's like it's like readjusting four thousand hours of practice with just minute, tiny little adjustments that they can't adapt to quickly. So they're going to be a pretty useless teammate until they take that name off. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, when I, so actually, I'm curious, what is your, what is your controller setup? Uh, I use the Xbox One controller and I've just re-keybinded air roll and power slide to LB. So you just, you just made the move, huh? For, so, for, I've always used Xbox controllers. But I mean, you just moved it to left bumper. Uh, for 4,000 hours, I had my power slide on X, 
and I eventually finally broke down once I saw like the sideways wave dash crazy maneuvers that the other players were doing, and I just wasn't able to do it. So mm-hmm. I had to retrain myself to not push X for power slide, and I, I will tell you that week of Rocket League, I would not have wanted to be my teammate. That was I missed over 100 balls just quickly trying to turn on it, and it just bounced over my head. It felt like I was playing in gold again. My first 100 hours, I couldn't believe it. So did you put new controls into your name? No. I mean, people are used to me just, you know, making mistakes. So it, it, <laughs> I'll just get D-padded. It's okay. It comes with the territory you were willing to take it? Uh-huh. Yep. So I used to play on an Xbox controller. What what button do you have boost on? Uh, normal. It's all uh, B. Okay. And then is ball cam Y then? Correct. Okay. So I have my boost on, I use a PlayStation controller Mm -hmm. and, um, I just recent, I just switched to PlayStation back to PlayStation controller, maybe four or five months ago. And I have boost on R1, um, jump is X, which is a, and then my ball cam is square which is X and then my air roll and power slide is on L1. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's a pretty common controller configuration. Yeah. I really like it. But when I switched to PlayStation controller, that's when I switched my air roll or power slide and I put new controls into my name and it was really interesting. I mean, I think it was like right at the beginning of a season as well. Mm-hmm. So when I did that, I don't know what it was, but I just had a string of extremely pleasant people and all of them were like, oh, what did you change your controls to? Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should try that out. Like everybody, it was so bizarre. Like people were so curious, like, what did you do? How did you change it? I think people are always like very quick to try and find anything that would make them more effective oh, in this I, game. Yeah, and, and that's why you see so many people coming into streamers uh twitch chats and what's your camera settings what are your video settings like what are you doing it it, it must be your camera settings that's why i can't get to gc like it's right right please tell me that and i'm like i find what works for you man (laughs) yeah i think uh they're so intricate that it really i mean i think it really just doesn't matter you just have to find something that works for you Mm mm-hmm and at the same time, I think it's so interesting when you see pros go into their settings like while they're streaming or something, and they'll just tweak like one little thing a little bit. <laughs> and of course, like now that I'm understanding, like when you touch the ball in a different spot, it actually does different things. So maybe if I paid enough attention to my settings and tried tweaking little things every now and then, I would be able to see a difference because when they do that, I'm like, come on, is that really actually doing anything? And some of it might just be placebo like Mm -hmm. oh i'm changing this so it's going to make me more comfortable with blah 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 yeah i've been very stubborn with my settings i think i found something that i liked and i haven't changed mine and i would say two and a half three years although i did recently mess with sensitivity so that may it's a little bit of a modification did you make it more sensitive yeah, yeah, I made it 1.1 and 1.3, which it seems like a lot of people actually did as well. And I was just kind of going 
just by my own feel. So it seems like those are kind of the sweet spots, but can you feel much of a difference? Yeah, for sure. And in the aerial sensitivity, that's the one that I found was like very, very dramatic. Did you Um, take that to 1.3? That was the one I left at 1.1 actually, because I felt like, I feel like this is something that I just, and in my mindset, the higher you can get it while maintaining consistency, I think is the most optimal. But for me, (laughs) I kept trying to change the aerial sensitivity and I would go for an air and I don't even know where my car was going. I was like, this is insane. Like, I don't know how people are controlling this, but you know, the dead zones between PS4 and, and Xbox are a little bit different. That's why you see the, like uh, a lot of different dead zone settings from pro players. How high did you put it? Uh, my aerial sensitivity is just 1.1. 1. 1. Uh, no, but did you, did you try going even higher than that? Yeah, I originally started at 1.5 and just kept bringing it down slowly but surely. Because I was looking at sensitivity the other day, because one thing that I've noticed and I'm I'm starting to work on is that when I'm trying to air dribble again, you know, just working on ball control in the air is sometimes when I was adjusting my car, I would just like slam the the joystick forward. And so I would completely throw my car out of whack. So I'm trying to be a little bit more gentle. And I was thinking maybe I should raise the sensitivity so that I, it forces me to be a little bit more sensitive with it. <laughs> and then to... I, yeah, sorry, I, go ahead. I was looking at sensitivities on, that was a, a complete like left field just to say this is I was looking at pro sensitivity online and Chicago has his at like three for both. Really? Yeah. And that's just bonkers to me. Like he would, I mean, you, you barely have to move your thumb to do anything at three. Yeah, that's dangerous. He must have like the most nimble thumb in all of Rocket League. Right? Like he, yeah, it, it, it doesn't even make sense. And just think about, so on the one side, you would have to like do nothing and it would be very dramatic. But on the other side, if you can learn how to control that, it would be very advantageous because then you are able to make such more minute maneuvers. Yeah, and that's that's kind of my mindset behind the matter. Unfortunately, it's just how much are you sacrificing to get these potential plays? Like, are you are you making how many mistakes are you making to make up for that one play that you don't think you would have normally been able to make? And that's kind of where I'm at with mine. And it seems like most players, I think, are hovering. I think the highest I've seen is 1.5, but. Again, the differences between like the Xbox and the and the PS4 controller, I think you can get away with cranking up those settings a little bit more with PS4 controllers. Have you ever tried playing on a PlayStation controller? I have. I've tried on two separate occasions. The first time, I think it lasted like three or four days, and the first one lasted me one day. I didn't really give it like a full, <laughs> honest day. try. Yeah, it was one day. My hand was cramping, and I, I just can't get used to the triggers on ps4 that's that's my main gripe with it all i i feel like if i could play with two like my index and my middle finger on the triggers it would be no problem but that's just not how i like to hold the controller so ps4 is really weird for me it would it would take a lot longer than a week for you to uh get everything figured out Mm -hmm. making that that's a lot of adjustment i mean starting to use my pointer finger on my left hand for air roll and and 
power slide. Like I thought it was either going to be I figure out how to how to do this or I quit the game. Like <laughs> it was I my left hand felt so dumb. I, yeah, it's I just like you didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, it's it, it reminded me of playing on keyboard mouse every once in a while when I'm just messing around. It's like I I don't know what buttons do what. And that's what it felt like when I was playing on PS4. I'm like, "Wait, where's the button? What is happening?" I don't understand how people can you do you have any proficiency at all on keyboard and mouse? Like playing on it? Yeah. Uh I don't really Like can you do that? Yeah, I can do it, but the the bare minimum pretty much just you know, you know, no air dribbles or anything like that, but I can, I can hit the ball pretty well. It always blows my mind. Like when, and I don't know if he practices this off stream or just does it every now and then for fun. But like when squishy, you know, is just, Oh, I'm going to play this game, keyboard and mouse. And he still wins a game against grand champs, just like putting down his controller and then playing it. It blows my mind. Like I can barely go forward. Yeah. That's, that's bonkers. He, he has to have played a, at least like 20 hours on keyboard mouse. Even so, like he, I would hope that I could beat him <laughs> like playing and, and maybe that's a bit extreme, but like at least make it competitive. But I feel like even after 20 hours, I should be able to make it competitive, but just the things that they are still able to do completely switching how they play the game is just, I don't want to say it and it's still unfair. Like just stop it. <laughs> you're making, you're making us feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's strange because you're still playing the same game and everything is still functioning the same way. You just have to reprogram your brain real quick to understand what all the buttons do. And as, as long as you know what they all do, the, the translation isn't too difficult. It's kind of like going from PS4 to Xbox, you know, it's, it's a little bit different, but not too drastic. As long as you know what every button does. Like I say, yeah. if I'm ever on keyboard, I'm like pushing shift and space bar and I, and my camera's going all crazy. And I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I definitely understand that. So I, I had this scenario in my mind and we got way off in a whole other world, but I'm curious, uh, to your insight on this. Um, I was watching one of, well, I think it's Squishy's newest videos, and it was 2v2, um, and he, so his teammate, I'll try and set up this scenario for you, uh, they were on their side of the field, so on their defensive side of the field, and uh, his teammate was pushing up with the ball, and I always try and give my teammate space, but he was like right there with his teammate. And I was thinking, I was getting nervous because so often, like, if I'm that close to my teammate, then usually something bad happens. So, like, the ball is pinched away or it's a quick turnover and then they get the goal mm-hmm. um, on on me instead of us doing something good. So, can you, like, break down how closely you shadow your teammates when they have the ball on twos or like how you set yourself up appropriately to continue the play or be a part of the play. Like how much distance or space do you keep in between you and your teammates when, when you're playing, uh, you know, moving up the field or something like that? Yeah. So first of all, squishy just likes to play fairly aggressively in general because he's, uh, you know, a mechanical player and can almost recover from any situation. And as we're discussing, 
when to challenge a ball, it's very similar to what your teammate is able to do. Does he have a good flick opportunity? Is he going to lose this challenge? And players of that caliber can almost understand what's going to happen to the play before it even happens. So depending on what happens in the play that you're describing, Squishy might recognize that his teammate has a really good flick off the back wall and he's not going to get contested in time. So Squishy can immediately go up for, you know, a rebound shot. Those are things that at that level, and I, I definitely know Squishy uh, would be able to do such a thing, would would risk that play in ranked because it, he doesn't care about being number one in on the ladder, you know? So he's just going for like quick plays and kind of testing his limits. So I'm assuming that's what you're, you're uh, kind of witnessing. I don't know how the play developed, but... Is that so kind of in, what happened? Um, to a point, yeah. So again, it was they were kind of slowly moving from the defense to the offensive side. His teammate, like you're facing the opponent's goal, you know, you're moving up the field mm-hmm. on the right side, um, and his teammate had the ball, kind of working on trying to get past an opponent that is somewhat challenging him uh, right there. So. It's almost like he knew based on where the opponent was and where his teammate was that there was no way that there could be like a solid pinch or attack that would send the ball dramatically in some other direction. And I think that's kind of what I came to because the result was the opponent got a touch on the ball and the teammate kind of uh, the ball was kind of put off of the teammate and the opponent and then Squishy just kind of scooped in like zoomed in scooped up the ball and like took it up the wall and continued the play right so i think it's it like as i was processing it first thinking what is he thinking and then looking at it and saying oh that's what he's thinking it's not just an analysis of like where people are it's also the analysis of what is possible yeah and that's something as we were discussing a little bit earlier in the cast was people who just tunnel vision on the ball and they're not really aware of everything else. Like even a 50, when it comes down to it in, in terms of just physics is, is your teammate going to be challenging this ball? Is it, is it going to pinch to the left or is it going to pinch to the right? And sometimes players just don't recognize that. And then they, Oh, those are the kind of players that are fifties never go in my way. And it's like, well, if you look at this and you assume that this player is going to challenge you, depending on which way your teammate's car is facing, is probably the way the ball's going to go. So you should try to preemptively kind of assume that. Um, and that's just how you kind of you, you can speed up your play as well. There's a lot of other, there's a lot of ways to speed up your your gameplay, and that that's one of them, you know. And and Squishy was able to recognize that, and it seems like he was able to keep possession and roll it up the wall, and you know probably hit a double touch or something of that nature do stupid squishy things <laughs> yeah i can't i can't remember the result but at least at that point he he was able to make a continuation of the play that i would not myself be able to make because i wasn't i wouldn't be writing that play so aggressively mm-hmm. like i i think it started in the corner like in one of their corners so i would have waited for that challenge to happen and I would have stayed in net. And, you know, if anything, the opponent would have come around, the second teammate would have come around and done something and I would have still been waiting for them to hit the ball towards the goal as opposed to leaving 
and leaving the net open, which is like my worst nightmare right now in twos. Yeah, it's it's never good when uh when you're you're trailing a little bit too close and it just kind of pops over you and it's like ah like what did I how did what 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 went so wrong in this place and why I'm in such a bad spot? But if you're able to watch those replays and try try your best to to analyze and you know address the situation so it doesn't happen again, that's that's the best way to learn. Do you still watch replays at all? Um, when I was practicing for this RS, I actually watched a handful of my own replays, but when it just comes down to, you know, ranked gameplay, uh, not so often anymore, but if I were to take the game very seriously and be grinding with a team, replays are definitely something, uh, that I, that I would still be looking at. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the boring part of the grind, but you know, that's why a lot of teams have coaches now. Um, right. players, players don't want to sit and watch hours and hours of footage, but if a coach can break down certain spots and find it, Hey, that's why they're there. And I feel like, well, at least for me, I, I feel that I should be, but at the same time, it's so clear the mistakes that I'm making, making while I'm playing, I don't even feel that it's necessary. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of times where that's very, that's very true, but um, just every once in a while, like if there's a game where you thought you played phenomenal and you ended up taking a loss, uh, sometimes mm. just sometimes there's just like tiny things. Like uh, the, the best example I can I can tell you is the Sunless Con series where he asks the pros, um, "What do you think is going to happen?" Or uh, he, he they make five he makes five people watch like a certain replay and. To to, 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 to to what the heck I'm stuttering to de, to determine the outcome and karma was in one of those episodes and it was actually her gameplay and she was didn't know this it, she didn't know it was her gameplay she was watching yeah and I remember she, that yeah and that's that's the funniest thing right like sometimes I like to poke fun at players you know making mistakes you know I make billions every day but if someone gave me my own replay. I'm sure I would probably ream into them. Like, what is this player doing? And then it's like, surprise, it's you. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I, I feel like, oh, I would just embarrass myself. But at least I think one thing that I've noticed is a huge flaw is uh, in my own game is that I go for a lot of quote unquote 50 50s. But I'm realizing that these 50-50s that I think that I'm going for are like after somebody gets a touch, they're still clearly in control of the ball or at least right next to the ball. And I'm coming from across the field, not literally all the way across the field, but Mm -hmm. you know, like if I'm at the center of the field and they're all the way on the one of the walls, like I'm coming that far to make a a quote unquote challenge all the ball or 50 50. And when I say I'm coming, like I'm full speed ahead, just barreling towards the ball and nine times out of 10, you're going to miss everything completely. And then I'm just out of the play. And I do that so often that I'm just, and again, with no regard to where my teammate is. And that just leads to a lot of goals being given up. Yeah, and that's one of those plays where you can recognize like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But again, those are some those are some of the plays that 
people who aren't as self-critical as you're being right now don't recognize. And it's not one of those plays that it's like, oh, I miss an aerial and it went instantly into our net. Like, whoops, that's my bad. Like the play you're describing is probably a very bad choice. Does it lead to a goal immediately? Probably not. But will it lead to a goal in 10 or 20 seconds because everyone's starved? Very likely. And that's where I think a lot of people have a difficult time understanding that they're doing incorrect things. Because if you do like a really stupid thing in like Counter-Strike, you know, you're, you stand out in the open, you die. You realize almost immediately you're making a bad mistake. But in Rocket League, you can make a really bad touch. And if you're not watching your replay or like looking at what your teammates are watching you do, you might be that teammate that's very confusing to play with. You're always going for like a ball that they could hit better. And if you're able to recognize that as a player, it will help you prevent you like it'll prevent you from doing it more often if that makes sense and if it's happening on a consistent basis you're that teammate <laughs> i i always like to say when people come in and ask they say oh I, you know it's the it's the reddit or it's like the reddit question right my teammates are always bad and i'm like hey man if you're losing every game or you're losing a lot of your games you're the you're the common and and every loss like you can't you can't determine how good your teammate will be from game to game. You can only play the best you can. And sometimes that's still not enough. Like there's games where you just won't win. You can't win them all. And as long as you think you're improving at an individual aspect of the game, I think that's the best you can take away. And hopefully like the more time you put in, will get to get, will get you the rank that you want. But trying to win every single game and getting angry at your teammates is definitely a step in the wrong direction. Yeah, that isn't fun. (laughs) I think that's a good way to put it though, as well is that you are the common denominator in, in all of your games and no matter what, like that's, that's all you're in control of. So if you're losing games or you're getting blown out a lot or consistently giving up goals, like one thing I notice and it's still happening and I need to just slow down and figure this out. I give up so many like two goal advantages at the beginning of twos games, like five out of six out of 10 games. By the time the clock strikes four, I'm down two Oh, sometimes it's within the first 35 seconds or 25 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like I'm losing by two goals. Like, come on, what's going on? <laughs> I I need to I need to calm it down. And yeah. it's not my teammate doing that every time. Yeah, it's yours truly. <laughs> yeah, and recognizing that is the first the first step in fixing it. So hey, I think you're already on track. So that's good. That's right. Good. It's the it's the fir- the first step is acceptance, I think. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. I And I think I'm there. So I think, uh, and I actually just uh, wrote a book about this on Twitter. Um, I was in a game last night, and this actually happened twice, and the first game was really frustrating because uh, I missed this ridiculously easy save, and then we ended up losing the game. But I, I got paired up with uh, the giantest Smurf that I have ever uh, experienced. I mean, this this guy was very, very good. I noticed early on in the game that he was just like chasing the ball everywhere, but mm-hmm. was like making these actual good touches. And he mentioned 
very proudly in in the chat that uh, oh I I can't remember exactly what he said but he was like I'm actually seventeen hundred and like cool like you can smurf and you can do whatever you want to do but like don't be smug about it yeah flaunting it that's when that's when like I think the smurfing becomes an issue yeah like and and he was clearly just like he even said at the end of one of one of the games uh that um he was just throwing games so he could be in the same rank as his friend like mm-hmm. that's that's an unfortunate experience like i don't i don't appreciate hearing that like and of yeah. course overall it it probably isn't going to do too much you know at a champ level we have enough hours in the game that like a smurf isn't going to get in the way of us continuing to play yeah um but like again don't be smug about it anyways uh so we lost the first game and it was really my fault because like the one time i actually tried to touch the ball within 45 seconds of this first game i just pulled a total gibbs from you know rlc back in the day and just kind of sat in the net and watched the game happen and then the one time i actually tried to touch the ball was the <laughs> slow dribbler like towards our net and I was backwards and I just completely missed it and we ended up losing and I was frustrated. But anyways, in the second game I got paired up with him again and I just decided to sit in net and watch him play. And he, <laughs> I say this without like any exaggeration, he won the game like seven to one. Um, which was very like cool. Like you just destroyed, you know, a couple diamonds, one V two, which was interesting because it, it was a really good replay for me to save because I got to watch live the difference in between a high grand champ in what is, what is like the bottom MMR in twos in the top 100? Uh, in twos right now, it's probably like 1800 by now. I'm not too sure. So not quite, not quite top 100, but I mean, he's a good grand champ. 1700 is nothing to scoff at. So yep. watching someone like that is a solid grand champ play two people that are diamond three at the same time, like you could see the difference in between how he played and how these two guys were playing. Like they would flail around for aerials. He was very deliberate in all his movements. Like his challenges were very calculated uh, if he knew that he wasn't going to have a clear opportunity to win the ball or put down a good 50-50, he immediately turned around and looked for boost and got to a place where he could get a better touch. And there were so many touches that these diamond players were making that were not productive. Like they didn't move the ball forward. They didn't necessarily get the ball away from their net. They didn't like move the ball towards um, our net. And sometimes they were just hitting it for hitting it or driving at it to drive at it. Like it, it it was very, very telling um, to see the difference in between the two styles. And as frustrated as I was in the moment, like this kind of unlocked my eyes to the difference of how I play because I was right there with those guys. Like I'm the same rank as them. And how somebody that is like where you live and how they play. 
and it's dramatically different. Yep, and that's that's uh, the way of ranking up, and that's where I think a lot of people will peak and plateau is around the champ rank, because they might have acquired all of these mechanics, and you know they're they're thinking about the game, and they might be a, a productive player, but at, at a certain rank, there there will be a speed at which you have to match, or you're just not going to be able to compete or you know contest a ball without just getting completely beat to the ball and then you're out of the equation in the play now right and and that was happening a lot um you know i think a couple things that i noticed from this guy is uh ball control like when he wanted to flick the ball he did it when he wanted to air dribble he did it uh just being able to do that consistently and knowing what was available to him um but then Really, honestly, the biggest thing that I saw was there were a couple times when he was kind of going back and forth, you know, fighting for possession. And he would go forward thinking about a challenge and then he would notice what the situation was. And I saw him once very clearly. I have a very vivid memory of just kind of being in awe of what he did. Like he was going after the ball and whatever he noticed, he was like, this isn't it. And he immediately turned around and went for the, for the mid boost. And that is a situation where I myself would probably have tried to make a challenge and I might've hit the ball. You know, we might've gotten into a 50, 50. It could have been productive for me, like maybe staying on their side of the ball or, or excuse me, the field. But like he, he purposefully chose to withdraw himself from that situation to get ready for another situation that might be more advantageous. Yep. And that's one of those situations where you can watch that replay that you have, or even if you're watching like a stream, I always like to say, if you're actively trying to, to learn or improve, watch somebody play the game and question why they're doing certain things. Because in your situation, he didn't challenge that ball because he already knew it was going to be a bad idea. So sometimes cutting your loss early is better than committing on a bad play. However, I think that play could have been much different depending on where he thought you were on the play. Like if he knew you were closer, maybe him challenging that wasn't that bad. But because you said you were kind of playing the Gibbs style, he knew there was a lot of space between you and him. Meaning that him challenging that would put you in a 2VO if he misses, which would probably happen based on his decision why he didn't do it. So it's all these little quick decision-making maneuvers that it's like, why did they do that? Is this is this optimally the best play? And that's that's kind of how you uh, you know move yourself up the rank. And the better decision-maker sometimes is the person that wins the game. Oh, for sure. And I've referenced this many times before, like... And I think he's he's a really good example of it, and I don't ever want to seem like I'm giving him flack, but, like, John Sandman was able, like, he makes good decisions. He I've never seen him do anything flashy or impressive, but he got himself to Grand Champ. Like, he worked with people, he did what he had to do, he made the right decisions, and he got there. Yeah. And if, if I could control myself, control my desire to go fast, hit ball, then I could probably at least get to champ two, maybe champ three based on my mechanics alone. Uh, But Tom just has to hit ball. 
<laughs> sometimes sometimes it's it's hard to get, give yourself some self-control you know it, you know what you should do but it's a fast game and you know the the instincts take over sometimes yeah i just i just got to get those double taps man that's what it's all about <laughs> that is what it's all about well i think uh we are coming to the end of the road so as is tradition here on Chasing Grand Champ, um, there are a couple of opportunities that I would like to offer up to you. The first being, uh, if you have any final thoughts that you would like to impart onto the listeners of the show. I mean, I just want to say thanks for having me. It's always fun discussing Rock League with, with people who like discussing it and talking about it. Um, and if you're really looking to improve i think tom hit hit the nail on the head at the end there yeah you gotta look look at some external researches youtube's good there's so many directories of information whether it's on reddit too uh streams twitch i uh everyone in the rock league community is very very welcoming and you know they might be able to give you some more insight and in improving your game before the final point of the show, I would just like to uh, return the gratitude and say, I mean, I, I don't know if you put two and two together when I sent you that initial message on Twitter uh, or if you because I mean, I I wouldn't say that I am a normal in your stream by any means, but I will stop by every now and then and, and try and chat people up a little bit. So I don't know if you recognize the name from that or if you're just like a genuinely pleasant person that is willing to take random messages about being on podcasts and talking <laughs> about rocket league um but either way uh i appreciate you taking the time to come hang out and and chat a little bit i really enjoyed it and uh maybe somewhere down the line we can do it again to see how things are going for you and and what you're working on then um so thank you very much and thank you for uh, making this uh, an international podcast now. I can say that I've hosted people from different parts of the world. You are Canadian, right? Correct. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> international. That's awesome. Um, but the last part of the podcast, before we call it quits, is uh, I'd like to let my guests ask a question of the audience as well and i'm still working on getting responses you should respond uh but would love to have you ask a question of the audience uh to see what they might be thinking about the show or whatever you might be curious about yeah okay i guess i just have like one main question uh this is mainly for just content creation because that's where where i stem from so I'm, I'm assuming if you're watching the podcast, there's a little bit of you that probably wants to improve within the game. And you probably have seen a lot of other people, you know, make dozens of videos on how to improve. But if there's one area that it hasn't been touched before, I'm curious, in, within Rocket League, what is the most beneficial video that you guys think you would benefit from that hasn't been, you know, talked about as much? Because there's always something. There's always one person that's always a little bit curious about something, and maybe somebody has that answer, but just hasn't talked about it. Nice. That's a that's a really good question. Nice. Very good. Okay. Well, that is everything. Uh, if you have an answer to that question, B 
be sure to use the hashtag ChasingGC on the Twitter. And please tag Derek on that. And speaking of that, before we go, please uh, impart everybody with where they can uh, find you on, on the internet. Well, luckily, I have one handle name on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. I am 99% on Twitch. The other percent lies within uh, a tweet every now and again and YouTube content maybe in the near future. It depends on how well they answer my question. (laughs) (laughs) And what is that? username oh. i mean i will it'll be in the notes below but yeah it's uh, it's just derek it's spelled a little funky but hopefully it's on uh hopefully it's on the visual <laughs> yeah so how uh where did that come from my, is that how you my in-game name yeah is yeah. that how is that how you actually spell your name yeah it's just the spelling and i made a world of warcraft character when i was really young and i said i'll, I'll just type my name <laughs> huh yeah all right. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, so just to clarify, that is actually like birth certificate. That's how you spell your name. Yep. Huh. I mean, that's a, that's a great name for all kinds of things. Yeah. It's, it's a fancy one. Uh, the only unlucky part is I can never find my name on a Coke bottle or a lanyard. feels bad. Yeah. You're probably never going to get that lucky. <laughs> All right, man. Well, again, I appreciate you spending some time and hanging out uh, and chatting some Rocket League with me. I hope uh, that your games continue to go well for you and you're enjoying the grind. But for now, we are going to call it quits. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Check us out on Twitter. Let us know what you think. And uh, I will look forward to doing this again soon. All right.